So what's been going on in Syria? <laughs> so much has been going on in Syria, little bits of crises and one thing and another. This will go out on or about the 29th of May. What have we seen recently? Well, we've seen Syrian elections, if you can call them that. There are lots of flaws in regard to the elections. <laughs> Mobs of right-wing groups in Lebanon attacked Syrian refugees and expatriates who went to cast their votes, and uh, there was a lot of intimidation, really. That's nastiness in Lebanon, because there's a lot of resentment of the level of Syrian refugees in Lebanon. I mean, these were, we're talking a couple of days ago, May 26th, the presidential elections in Syria. Were they elections as we think of elections? Not really, I suppose. Were they a complete farce? Not really, I suppose. Do Syrian voters fear repercussions if they fail to vote for Assad? Well, I don't know. Some may, actually. But Syria's split, split down the middle between those who <laughs> want the status quo. And that doesn't mean they favor Bashar al-Assad, but they fear the opposition. They fear the opposition as being too Islamist. And those that favor the opposition. The opposition, of course, we're talking about the fighting opposition, which is Islamist. Uh, so, you know, that's the problem. Who do you fear more? Bashar al-Assad, the incumbent, or the Islamist groups, and they are extreme, who lead the, the fighting on the on the opposition side. Tough call, isn't it, for any Syrian that goes to cast a vote. As a footnote here, too, I mean, voting was banned in countries like France, Germany, United States of America. In other words, Germany would not allow Syrian expatriates to cast a vote at any legation or you know, short-sighted, maybe. If they had allowed expatriates to vote, it would have increased the vote against the president, I suppose. Does that mean anything? Not really, because the president was going to have a walkover regardless. It's in the nature of these kinds of elections. Another seven years of Bashar al-Assad? No, I don't think so. But more about that in a moment. I do think that these elections were pretty unimportant. It's unfortunate that the Syrian government won't allow a broad list of candidates. The way that's engineered is the Syrian parliament has to endorse candidates. And so out of the large number of candidates that applied to stand for president, including some very fine ladies, the Syrian parliament only approved three candidates, Bashar al-Assad and uh, two patsies, really. I mean, sorry, seems to me anyway. So it made it a, a non-election in so many ways. And yet, and yet the West gets its knickers in a twist over this non-event and the British Foreign Secretary and others make grand statements. I understand. I mean, people feel like, gosh, another seven years of Bashar al-Assad. Now, Syria's been a nation in civil war. Bashar al-Assad is, is what he is. Is he any different from any other major Mideast ruler with his back against the wall? I mean, is he any, let's start off by saying, is he any different from any other major Mideast ruler? Um, from Saddam Hussein to Mohammed bin Salman to the supreme leader of Iran to Sultan Qaboos of Oman to, to Sisi of Egypt to look at them. There's a kind of spectrum. There is no Mideast country that is not a dictatorship, is there really? Can you name one? A dictatorship in some shape or form, a monarchy, a dictator, or Israel? Mm. Iraq? Mm. Well, okay. Israel and Iraq, let's, let's exclude them. 
then then what have you got there? Lebanon? Mm, okay, well, we'll exclude Lebanon. These are not necessarily greatly successful electoral systems in, in Lebanon, Israel, and Iran. But the rest uh, are ruled, as far as I can see, by dictators or elected dictators, in the case of Erdogan and so on. And is one worse than another? You put the their backs against the wall, does one behave differently from another? No, no, I don't think so, really. I must say, given reasonable times, some of them behave reasonably. I mean, Oman is a very well-governed country, the Sultanate of Oman, for example. Yeah, given reasonable times, some behave reasonably. Bashar al-Assad arguably bombs his own people on a regular basis but then it's a country in civil war isn't it like libya like yemen i mean these are horrible situations and we're coming out of the syrian civil war and moving towards some sort of stability and this presidential election is an irrelevance what is relevant are the russian sponsored negotiations about a new constitution well they've gone nowhere what years just uh, whiskey guzzling members of the opposition and the government sit in nice little five-star hotels and enjoy themselves and shout at one another ah well the opposition shouts the government drinks the whiskey i guess i don't know it, it, it is it, they have been pathetic the constitutional negotiations have gone nowhere forever and ever and ever and you throw up your arms in despair and say they will go nowhere. They're a joke. That's where I suspect you're wrong. Russia is playing clever little game. And I think Russia is moving towards a point where Russia wants the constitutional negotiations to go somewhere. This is new. And you get as much from the Russian foreign minister and others. Um, you get hints that things will move now. Does Russia matter? Of course Russia matters. Bashar al-Assad is not as controllable as Russia, Russia would like. That doesn't mean they can walk away from Bashar al-Assad. They can't. But he's not as controllable as Russia would like. Russia would like Bashar to be nicer to the Turks, for instance, because Russia is playing games with the Turks. Yeah. Bashar cannot, will not, cannot really, because Turkey has invaded northern Syria in various parts and is very difficult to get out once they get in. As you know, I mean, you've seen Turkey and Iraq. Turkey, Turkey, once they got a foothold, then places like um, Bashika or the Hook Governorate, they've got the airport right, or the old, they've made it into a, into a tank base, haven't they, up just beyond uh, the Hook City. They, I mean, they've got their bases in Iraq. They won't shift. Now they've got their bases in Syria. They won't shift. The Turks are creating facts on the ground. Expansive. Erdogan sees him as the new, himself as the new sort of sultan, doesn't he? Um, he wants that kind of caliphate role. And, and so, yeah, what do you expect from Bashar al-Assad? He has to oppose Turkey. Russia is asking too much. But that said, Russia would like a little bit more appreciation for what it does on behalf of the Syrian government, and it feels it's not getting it. Hence, you've had some hostile press in, in Russia and Moscow about Bashar uh, at times. But like I say, Bashar can't play the game any other way than the way he plays it, really. He's also constrained by events and situations. Beautiful Damascus, beautiful Syria, a country with more varieties of olive tree than any other country on earth. It's where the birthplace of the olive tree comes from, not Palestine. Beautiful country, 
multifaceted in its its religion and culture. Druze, <laughs> Christians, heartland and homeland of, of the Aramaic uh, language in, in Malula. Syria is magnificent, wonderful, wonderful country, beautiful country. But there you go. It's in pain, it's suffering. And I think we're moving towards a better place. I think we're moving towards new elections in Syria. Just whispers that I get. I think that the negotiations will succeed. Now, what's key to the new constitution? Well, it's key that, that anybody is allowed to stand. It's key that part of the existing parliament doesn't have a veto as to who stands. Yeah, the existing constitution will only allow people who have been resident in Syria for the last 10 years to stand. Well, that obviously has to go. There are various things that has to go, but it's it's achievable. Or you can have some sort of interim government prior to new elections. But does this mean that Bashar al-Assad is going to step back from the scene? No, he'll still be there. He will still be there in the background, but that's the way it is. But but new elections? Yes. New presidential elections? Yes. How soon? No, later than next year. I think things are on a roll, you know. What are the little goodies for Syria? Syria needs to get out of its present miserable situation. And it is miserable because of Western sanctions. Western sanctions are not only impacting Syria, they're also impacting Lebanon because we put sanctions, banking sanctions on Lebanon. Because why? Because Hezbollah's there, for God's sake. Grow up, live with the real world here. Western sanctions are cruel, 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 cruel. And we impose them again and again. And we just punish people not governments. I mean, you you put sanctions on Syria and, and make it difficult for it to operate, make it difficult for its people to breathe. You think that bothers Bashar al-Assad? He just seizes Makhlouf's millions and uh, decides to spend those. Uh, you, you, no, I'm not kidding. He did that, of course. You know that. No, uh, he just followed copying Mohammed bin Salman. You know, it takes him leaf out of the playbook of a fellow dictator. No, no. And I, yeah, you'd do the same, wouldn't you? You're not going to suffer. You're not going to give up your uh, the marmalade on your toast just because your people are suffering. You need to look after yourself, don't you? And sanctions, okay, the West are going to put sanctions on your country, cripple its industry, cripple its banking, cripple its everything, make life miserable. Yeah, but you don't have to suffer. Sanctions are cruel, and the West uses them as a cheap, easy option just to, I mean, it just what it is, isn't it? But peace with Israel is a way out. Because if there were peace with Israel, then the West cannot continue to put sanctions on Syria. It's a way out. What is the stumbling block? The Golan? No. Syria doesn't have to renounce its claim to the Golan to have uh, peace with Israel. There are ways around this. And and there's some very good plans that have been put forward for the Golan to make it in a kind of a park or or community. You could do that, actually. Joint both countries not renouncing their sovereignty claims. I mean, there's no need. There, there are things that can be done with regard to the Golan. There are ways around the Golan issue. And peace with Israel would come and bring big benefits for Syria. And if we did it right, it might even bring benefits for the Palestinians because, uh, yeah, it could be done in that way so that it actually promoted the uh, implementation, the phased implementation of the Abdullah plan, the so-called Arab plan. The, uh, that would be one way forward. But what's the big stumbling block? The big stumbling block is Iran, of course.
Israel does not want peace with Iran and it does not want peace with Syria whilst Iran is in Syria. Is there a way around this? Can you keep Iran out of um, the Syria south of Damascus or south? I mean, what can you do? This is difficult, but I know for a fact that there are a lot of conversations in Damascus behind the scenes about the option, the peace with the, what you might call the nuclear option, the major stunning option, the, the, the question of peace with Israel. What is the best thing for Syria, for the future of Syria? Well, what we need is rapprochement between Russia and America. You could see rapprochement. I mean, Russia doesn't help. It's been very childish in recent years, poisoning opposition people in, in the most horrible ways. Childish, like the Borgias or something like that. I mean, Russia, Russia, come on, grow up, Russia. You are now a world power in a new way, and you have to show some decent manner of behavior so that you can be re-embraced by countries like the United States of America. It doesn't take much, just take some basic decency. Ah, no, uh, USA is no example to anybody, of course. I mean, USA still got Guantanamo between, despite Obama's best promises. No, the USA, um, oh, the way it treats its black community. Well, that's a whole other issue anyway. But So you can't, you can't hold the United States of America as some great sort of symbol of, uh, of the city on the hill of the New Jerusalem, but not anymore anyway. Perhaps he will be able to over time. America gets its act together. And we hope so, because I'm of America, for goodness sake. We hope so. But for the moment, what we're asking is Russia to hold out a hand of fellowship uh, so that we can move forward in regard to a better relationship between the United States of America and Russia so that we can see a new beginning in Syria. I think that's what it takes. I think things are not bad. I think it's a very good moment in time. I mean, it's a moment in time we're filled with hope. So let's hope against hope against hope. Let's keep hoping for a better time for Syria. So many needed people in Idlib who are suffering, starving, dying of COVID. So, so many, so many people need. Syria needs a better tomorrow. Now is the chance. Now is the opportunity. God bless Syria. And God bless you all. Thank you.